Good morning, St. Clair. Thank you, Aaron and Christina. Uh, I've shared this before with us, uh, and it just won't really let me go. Uh, Mother Teresa said this, If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I think that has stuck with me uh, because in one hand, I think it's, it's deeply profound. And another way, I actually continually find it perplexing. Hearing it seems almost maybe sort of counterintuitive, or at the very least, kind of unproductive. Uh, you know what? In this day and age, I, I wonder if, if the words of Mama T, as some have referred to her, actually even come as being scandalous or offensive to our, our consciousness that is seared right now with the need for a public outcry of change. And here is Mother Teresa kind of calling from the past saying, oh, if you want to change the world, you start not with the world, but you start with yourself and those closest to you. And I think she is on to something. And I think it's a hard word because it's actually way more difficult to change the world than it is to change ourselves. And so this morning, as we are talking about who we are as a community and what it is to live in this world as the people of God, we're talking about what it means to be family. That's one of our core distinctive values that holds us and defines us is to say that we, St. Clair Community Church, are a family. And so that's, that's what I hope to speak to this morning for us, uh, is to speak about the sense of family in terms of church, in terms as it being a, the, a needed and helpful lens for how we see one another as this community of believers. These values, these principles for us of presence, family, and mission, you know, as we kind of teased last week, they represent these movements of life with God. And in a way, you could think about it as up our relation to God, in as our relationship to one another, and out as our relationship to the world. And it's, I have found that, that the simplicity of that to be very helpful. And it's not sort of a, a made up concept. It's actually looking at the very life and person of Jesus and just trying to have a very simple understanding of who he was and how he lived. Christina read for us Hebrews, and it's early in Hebrews that it says Jesus is the radiance and the exact representation of who God is. And so when we look at Jesus's life, we are seeing a revelation of God himself, for Jesus was God. And this interplay of up, in and out, of loving God, loving one another, and loving the world, this, this is alive and well, and you see threads of it all throughout the Gospels, where Jesus often went away to be alone with the Father, to be reminded of who he was, and to hear God's words for him. And you saw that he had disciples, his close community that followed with him, with whom he loved them. 
And then, of course, there's the crowds and there's the world. There is the sense of ministry that Jesus carried in bringing and announcing that the kingdom of God was at hand. We see this amazing integration in the life of Jesus. And so we're just trying to make sense of that for our own lives as individuals and as a community. And the language around in, the sense of of community, we've talked about this before at St. Clair, is that if you look from beginning to end throughout the narrative, the story of Scripture, the dominant language that is offered is this language of family. And so for us to say as a church community that we are family, we're just inheriting what has been given to us. Because this is the thing that we have inherited. It's this thing that we get to be sort of co-heirs in, being brought into family. And so this, this passage in Hebrews does uh, really well to bring some of this to light. As Christina read for us, it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I I probably can't actually overstate how significant just even these couple of verses are of telling us the grand narrative, the grand story that we are a part of. It is telling us this story of family. That Jesus is the one whom everything exists. And he came and made his dwelling amongst us, this sense of God's presence with us, all so that we could be adopted in and be called sons and daughters alongside of Jesus, that he wouldn't be ashamed of us, but would actually welcome us with joy. I mean, this, this is an amazing and profound mystery that we get to be a part of. And it's using the things that, that we know closest to us, the sense of family for understanding the new reality of life with God. It means, if we understand the weight and kind of the significance of what these verses are telling us, there's a sort of cosmic force that brings us together and binds us together. That the maker, the one whom through everything is worked through, has has made it all work to a place where all of creation is uh, functioning so that we can be reconciled to God and to one another as family. That we've been brought together, really, as this is revealing to us, through a sacrificial act of love. That that is the thing that makes this whole thing possible, is that Jesus came and suffered with us. And so that's the model. That's kind of like the framework that this family of God functions within, is that there is a suffering servant. And if if you keep reading Hebrews, it'll tell you that Jesus is like a great high priest in our midst who can sympathize with us because he's been tempted alongside us. It's the reality that we understand family within is sacrificial love because of what Jesus has done for us. 
And so therefore, we function with that same kind of grace for one another. That we offer sacrificial love to one another as brothers and sisters because Jesus has made that possible for us. That this family thing doesn't work. It no longer exists and functions as being the people of the family of God unless it is bound together by a sacrificial love that we have for one another just as Jesus has had for us. It's this incredibly generous act of God. And then we share in that generosity for one another. Maybe we know that already. Uh, but I, we, we tend not to talk that way uh, when we talk about church. If, if church, this, this thing of being the family of God together, and it's all bound together in Jesus, in this act of sacrificial love. I mean, that's just incredibly weighty and powerful and profound. And the, this, the fact that we get invited into that is, has a transformative power in our life. And so to, to live and breathe as the people of God together begins to change everything. Yet I... Our defaults are just perhaps not helpful for us, that we too easily would talk about this family of God, this thing of being the church, and we kind of just talk about it like we do a lot of other things. Church easily kind of gets characterized as a thing or a place we go to, and we too easily just evaluate it based on our likes or our preferences. We talk about an experience of church as being whether we liked the music or we liked the sermon. And that's kind of how we talk and that's how we communicate online with so many things. But that, that doesn't actually help us when we're talking about one another and what it means to be the church. I've, I've yet to find a translation of the early church in Acts that says, oh, and they read that they liked the apostles' teaching and they shared in their possessions when it was convenient and they met together according to their preferences of people that were most friendly to them. I mean, we just don't get a glimpse of a world that is sort of catered to everyone's preferences in the early church. And we actually see this amazing demonstration of sacrificial love for one another just as Jesus had done for them. And it, it doesn't take much for us to forget that the church is a people. It's a family, both globally and locally. And it can't look like everything else. Maybe this is, this is kind of basic one-on-one stuff for us. But I've needed these reminders in these days because there seems to be a lot of claims right now as to what church is or what church should be or what church shouldn't be. And maybe we need a reminder of what church is at its core, that it is being the family of God together, that we would be a light to the world. Paul and Philippians, I mean, the New Testament is chock full uh, 
of these kind of reminders. But in thinking about the example of Christ and what that means for us in terms of how we relate to one another, Paul says in Philippians 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Look n- not look into your own interest, but each of you look into the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then the verses that follow describe with a beautiful articulation the sacrificial love that Jesus put on display for us. The notion of church as family means there's a non-negotiable aspect to how we seek to serve and love one another. We are brought into this covenant relationship with God and with one another, and it just means things can't boil down to convenience or comfort or maybe just the way that we would evaluate other things in our life and how it serves me. We belong to one another. And that when we show up with one another, it means that we have something to give and we have something to receive. Let me give an example right now um, that perhaps suits our COVID reality. Like, how on earth do we learn to be together when we're not allowed to be together? Uh, and so we, we are constantly creative, try, creatively trying to figure out new and better ways, but they just don't seem to be out there. Uh, and the, what I hear more and more, and I have felt this uh, more days than not for myself, is I'm just done with Zoom. Uh, Because for some of us right now, it's sort of the best or maybe even the only way that we can have a sense of being together. And maybe often what I've I've heard when there's sort of comments around the sense of tiredness around Zoom is, yeah, we're actually all really tired of it. Like that's, that's, I'm going to assume that's a common denominator for all of us. But then it would be very easy for, say, something like Zoom to kind of pull out and say, well, that doesn't suit me. That doesn't kind of fit my comforts or my preference or I'm too tapped out to be able to get what I need from it. But it, it, it is forgetting that we have something to give and that there's something of us that someone else needs and there's something that someone else has that we need. And so whether I don't care about Zoom, it's just finding the creative ways in this time to learn acts of sacrificial love for another, considering the needs of others more important than ourselves. And so we want to lean into what it is to be family in a way that's beyond convenience or comfort or preference. I would, I would assume that 
for all the tiredness online that we have of, of trying to find creative ways to meet together, that everyone would also be tired of being online in any other format. But I was reading an article this week that over the last year, Netflix stock has gone up 55%. And in the last two quarters since COVID, they've added 18 million users globally. Which, to be honest, I didn't even know you could, like, there were that many people in the world that still didn't do Netflix. I just assumed it was normative for everyone in our kind of middle class Western, you know, reality. But we still have an appetite to be online. We just crave and run to more and more the things that serve us and sort of maybe give us the easy way to check out. It is very hard work to show up and be present with others, especially if online is, is sort of the only option. And perhaps acts of sacrificial love for one another, whether it's in our missional families or it's engaging with a Sunday or whatever, is actually choosing to reorientate some of our day. So that when it comes the opportunity to be present with someone and knowing that we have something to give and we have something to receive, that we've actually postured ourselves in a place to be ready to receive instead of maybe being checked out before the thing has even started. But this, this is hard work. It's exhaustive work. It actually means we have to start looking at sort of every part of our lives and saying, am I orientating my life? to the interest of others, that when I show up, they are getting the best of me, not simply what's left over. What if isolation in this time is actually teaching us how to be together in new ways? We need to be a people who can demonstrate to the world that another way is possible. And they need to see the sincerity of our loves. With so much going on in the world, what if our faithful witness to the world is that we love each other well in all that we do? In a world that's screaming for justice, I think in a lot of moments, what they're really longing for is integrity. People that will do what they say and that they're just, we're exhausted by hypocrisy that we see. So what if we, as the church, deeply committed ourselves to loving each other as family, that there would be sincerity in even just the smallest of things of our life, that we'd seek to put the interests of others before ourselves, knowing that this is what Christ has done for us. It is this generous act that we participate and we share in, and that as we do that, we may reveal something of God to the world by our simple acts of love. Jesus in Gospel of John said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I'm going to finish this morning in, in a way that uh, I have never 
done uh, before and actually just don't even know if we've ever tried something like this uh, in our uh, usual St. Clair Sunday expression. Uh, and that is, I want to play a video for us um, uh, as a way of orientating us to be in this posture of receiving as we take communion together. Kind of, I think pretty much now for all of COVID, I've had a song. It, it, it's maybe actually a bit more of a poem uh, than it is a song, but it's it's just been ringing through my head. And as I think about what it is to be family what it is to live beyond sort of this world of immediate instant gratification and to have the long view in mind, to be able to think about what do we pass along from one generation to another as family and as a church family? What kind of environment and culture and just way of living are we demonstrating for those younger than us that they can grow into and and follow our example Kind of all these things have been circulating for me as I've just been listening to this. Uh, and so I, I had thought of offering it for us this morning. Um, it's, a, it's a thing written by uh, Jason Upton. I've only ever been listening to it until this week. And then I realized, oh, someone on the internet created a lyric video because the internet has everything. Uh, and so it's actually good enough that I thought I'll show it instead of us just listening to it. Um, So I'm going to play it uh, and then that will help transition us into communion. Um, I hope it it helps um, enlarging our imagination for what it is to grow as being the family of God together and how we use this time and this, this sort of place that we find ourselves during COVID as an invitation to receive from God that there may be new things that he wants to teach us in how we live our lives and how we relate to one another. So let me uh, set this up for us. We'll give it a whirl. Long live the journey, and long live the children we raise. And long live the memories like leaves the years carried away. And just like a tree that slowly grows, the higher we reach, the deeper we go. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for someplace a little further down the road. Redwoods and daisies never look worried to me. They take what's been given as if that's all they'll ever need. And if that's all they'll ever need, maybe that's all we really need. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're Elders, 
are people who hold law and grace in their hands. Where death is a doorway and fallen's just learning to stand. And less is more than we really need. And empties a space for us to receive. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're old and we're headed for some place a little further down the road Thanks, Aaron. St. Clair, you are loved. It's a joy that we can call ourselves family. We've been doing that right since the beginning, and we'll do that right to the very end. The work is not done, and the journey continues to live into something that will be here when we're old. Let me read for you uh, Paul's prayer in Ephesians uh, that seems fitting to what we have said this morning. Um, So receive these words as we uh, depart from being connected this morning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. St. Clair, would you go in peace? We will gather together like this again next week. The week following is a Missional Family Sunday for us, so there won't be a, a Sunday expression and We are constantly working out a plan of um, what could be after Thanksgiving. So we'll be sure to keep you in the loop as we're able. Uh, Would you go in peace?